today changes my whole entire life. Welcome to Gridability, a podcast about the power of perseverance, overcoming seemingly insurmountable odds to attain the life of your dreams. I'm your podcast host, Adam Clausen, and with me in the studio is the beautiful and ever radiant Ro Clausen. Hello, I like your shirt. Oh, I love it. I love it. Huh? We are, look at this. Oh, that looks beautiful, right? We finally got some merch. We did. I like it. Love it. Why Why do we have merch suddenly? We have merch suddenly because it was your birthday and I got you merch. Yeah. Hey. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and a mug. So, yeah, this was an incredible surprise present. Something we've been talking about doing for a while. And, you know, I mean, I love the opportunity to get out there and promote what we're doing. We promote everyone else's brands and all these different organizations. It's time for us to start promoting ours, right? Yeah, especially you, because you get stopped all the time about the people's merch that you wear. I do. I mean, like, often. There's there's a couple different shirts that I wear that um, people either make comments, but it generally it's a good conversation starter, so... Yeah, looking forward to doing the same here with ours. Cool. So, kind of on topic today, um, focusing on our brand, Gridability, I think we have a question, right? Because today what we wanted to do was spend a little bit of time going live. So we are live streaming right now on YouTube, yep. correct? Yep. So we're live on YouTube, and we had a question that came in that we were talking about um, and we wanted to make sure that we responded not only to the question, but that we opened it up for conversation for everybody else. And, you know, besides it's my birthday. So any opportunity to uh, put them on the hot seat and ask really juicy <laughs> questions, we'll take it. Careful now. Rem remember this is YouTube. It's not only fans. So, so just code what you're asking and then we'll be fine. <laughs> All right. So you want to kick it off? You want to ask that question? Yeah. So Lisa sent me a question. Hey, Lisa, I think she, uh, I texted her before this and told her to hop on. So please feel free to um, type in and clarify if I'm getting anything wrong. But she said that she was wondering our take on values versus self-care. So do you forego your values for self-care or do you forego your self-care for your values. So a little bit of background. She left a job that was soul sucking. She did not like it. They didn't treat her well, got a new job and basically figured out very quickly that it was the exact same type of situation. Mm. One of her coworkers was like, yeah, you just got to put on a good facade. So she appreciates the fact that she's home earlier from this job. She can work on a project that's really important to her. She's an admin for strong prison lives and families and she enjoys it. So she could spend more time doing that. But also this job is pretty much soul sucking all over again. So she wanted to know, like, is that something that she feels stuck in because she's not that far from retirement? She doesn't want to go venture off into a new career, but, you know, where's the balance? Mm, great question. Yeah. You want me to weigh in first? Yeah. So I'm going to say first and foremost, it sounds like a step up because if it's the same job, right, same soul sucking, like that part sucks, obviously. 
but it sounds like she picked up some benefits as well along the way where she's able to do some other things that that do inspire her or make her feel good, purpose-driven. So that's important. Uh, you know, everybody's working on different timelines, right? And sometimes it's about just putting your head down, you know, grinding through and getting to where you want to be. And, but you realize in that process that you are sacrificing to a degree, right? There's always a sacrifice. You're always giving something up along the way. Um, you, you can't just have it all, all the time. For me, I'm a firm believer that, you know, what she's talking about, moving from one job to another means moving one environment to another, right? So regardless of your environment, you bring your values with you wherever you go. Uh, and although it, there might be, depending on the culture within that new environment, there might be an overwhelmingly negative um, uh, energy to deal with, you can still maintain your values, right? You can still do way do things the way that you believe in. Um, I honestly, like, I, I try and live that way regardless of where I go. Uh, I feel that that's part of my integrity to bring my values with me wherever I am and to not be influenced by others when I step into their environment, right? Where the culture is a little bit different, where, you know, if people are, are more negative by nature and that's just the way that they are and how they do things, I choose not to feed into that. So I'm not going to contribute to those conversations. I'm not going to, you know, join them in their bickering and, and those things because I know that that's not good for me, right? It's not something that I believe in. Um, so I do believe in that part. The second part of this is when we talk about, um, you know, the, the self-care aspect, uh, I have to acknowledge that often I put my values ahead of my self-care, meaning this. There are certain things that, that um, I value my commitments, right? Like when I make a commitment, when I say that I'm going to do something, follow through um, with, say, something at work, that I'm going to get it done, I often do that to the detriment of my self-care. Like I'll put my own personal well-being, meaning, uh, you know, workout, sleep, other things that I have on the back burner uh, because I'm constantly weighing out, like, what are my priorities? I'm like, well, I'm not going to have time for myself because the time that I do have, I want to spend with you and CJ. So my self-care sometimes goes to the side. And I know, and I'm going to speak on your behalf, I know that you do that too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you say that like, yeah, of course. Like, and that's not necessarily a good thing. It's not healthy. It's the whole put your oxygen mask on first. You know, when you're, when you're traveling, they come by and they tell you, if you don't put your own mask on first, you're not going to be able to help anybody else because you're going to be out. And, and it really is the same thing with self-care. You might be able to get away with that for a short period, but long-term, if you're constantly neglecting yourself and putting other people's priorities 
values ahead of your own, then you then you're going to have some problems. Yeah, and I say yeah, of course, because we have a two year old, and and I'm with him majority of the time, and then you're you help me out so much, but he wants me majority of the time. So a lot of times I do have to neglect my self care because he is dependent on me. So we were talking about this in the car on the way over. And when I was, you know, by myself, independent, I didn't have him, you weren't home yet. I had all day, every day to work on my self care. I could do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted. And a lot of, I had like very regimented and routine, um, in my life, but also my self care, you know, down to like manicures, pedicures, eyebrows, you name it. I did it because I could, right? Well, right now when I have a two year old who needs my attention constantly, a lot of that falls to the wayside. So what I had to do was I have to figure out what my non-negotiables are for me. It's working out and eating healthy those because I know that if I don't get my manicure or my pedicure you know it's not going to be the end of the world for my health and wellness but like you said if I neglect working out and eating healthy day in and day out over and over and over again then yeah that's going to take a toll on my health so there's times that I don't do it as often as I'd like to or as often as I could when I was by myself but it's also a non-negotiable that I can't let that go for too many days. That's why I said, yeah, of course. And, you know, to go back to put this in the work scenario, because that's where this came from. So I was in a position similar, not as bad, but similar to where Lisa was. And when you were inside and the job I had allowed me to take the vacation that I needed to take to go visit you when I needed to go visit you because I needed to take a day off to drive there. It allowed me the salary to do that, but it wasn't the best job. And there was times very often where I had to bite my tongue. I knew I was right about things and I was being told that I was wrong. And I saw coworkers that confronted certain people and they would become the bad person and then either they would get let go or they were always facing issues with the specific people above them. So there were times where I chose to bite my tongue against my own values, but in my at the that time I decided that my self-care was my visits with you. So in was I right at that? I'm not sure. I don't know because I think that there are some issues that came out of that. However, in the, t- in the moment, and what I want to pass along to Lisa or anybody else that's listening to this that needs this, is that I would look for things that I was grateful for within that position. Mm-hmm. So I was grateful for, like I said, the vacation days. I was grateful for things that I was able to do within that position that allowed me to, you know, I could go home on my lunch break because I was so close there to my job at the time. I was allowed to toggle my hours so I could go to the gym, make the earlier class at four in the afternoon. They let me come in at eight from eight to four. There were different things that I could do that I really appreciated that I probably couldn't do in a different position. So I chose to see the positive in it versus getting stuck in the, oh my God, I'm foregoing my values, which does suck. But if you're stuck there, like Lisa feels that she is, and I would question that, and I'd love to coach her around that and see if she truly is stuck there or if that's just a story that she's telling herself because it's easier and it feels better to stay there than exploring other options. Not saying that's the case. I'm saying I'd love to coach her through that. But if you genuinely feel like this is where you need to be right now, then like you said earlier, you, there are the positives around it. She can come home. She can work on her hobby. Well done. Well put. Yeah. So was there any other, was there a follow-up question there? 
So I don't that? see, you're getting tons of happy birthdays. I don't see any follow-up questions. So we're going to be forced to have Lana ask you uh, an inappropriate uh, question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, whoa, she got way too excited about that. Well, Adam's like, please, somebody put a question in the chat. Thank you for the happy birthdays. Uh, um, man, it is so much appreciated. Well, I can add this to um, us talking about the, the work and making certain sacrifices. Uh, I'm a firm believer, right, that when you just continue to do good things, good things will happen for you, to you. Um, and, I mean, that's been my experience. That's how I'm here, right? Like, we have a pretty amazing life, and it hasn't always... Um, you know, our journey to get here hasn't always seemed like that. There have been, when we talk about jobs, like it almost has felt at times like sacrificing, right, um, our bigger vision, what, what we planned, what we envisioned for ourselves, for our family, in order to, you know, pay the bills and, and get by. Like what you were just saying about, you know, your job back then what it allowed you to do. And I think, you know, we're very good about talking these things through and coaching one another. And, you know, you coaching me on when I made the decision to take the job with the organization that I'm at now, you know, and how that fit into the big picture. Like, is this moving us in the right direction? Uh, does this feel like a step forward? Uh, and, you know, uh, with me, like there, there's no middle ground. I don't do anything halfway, which, you know, can, can be, um, both a positive and a negative trait because I just go all in. And sometimes I, you know, get a, get a little in deep and for work, that means me putting in a lot of time and energy. Um, and like today we were talking about on our call, one of the unique things about our organization is we have unlimited paid time off, right? Unlimited. And that sounds really cool. Like, wow, you can take as many days off and still get paid. That sounds good in theory, right? But I think it's very intentional when you have an organization that attracts people who tend to be high performers. Like I hear that, right? But we were... We were just on vacation. We were in Florida and both of us spent the first few days working. Like we put a lot of hours in and I spent that time, even though we were, you know, away from home at a place with, you know, extended family, enjoying ourselves. Like I was still putting those hours in and I felt like I needed to because that's part of part of my values. Right, like my work ethic. Well, I just worked because I don't have unlimited PTO, <laughs> so I don't know if that's part of my values. But, uh, but in in making those decisions, right, there are times where it feels like, okay, um, like we wanted to focus more on what you see here, credibility, building building this brand, and being able to spend more time doing what we love. And initially, when I signed on with the organization, I was like, okay, this is part of my purpose. I feel this great weight of responsibility. Like, 
you know, I was granted a second chance and, and I need to be in a position where I'm able to help create that for others and to use my knowledge, my strengths, my skills and experiences, you know, to be able to help facilitate change. And this position was an opportunity for me to do that. And initially I wasn't sure if that was moving our family totally in the direction that we had wanted to go, right? So it's, and it's a process of constantly assessing, you know, are we still moving in the, in that direction towards our, our bigger picture, towards that vision? And am I aligned with my values? And honestly, over time, it's become more and more clear that this was the best decision that I could have made. Um, so many of the relationships have lined up like we were on a call today and it was, um, you know, there were different people who were referenced that are, are part of my personal network who have just connected to the organization and the work that we're doing. And I wouldn't have seen that when I initially signed on. So, you know, I'm reminded of when you're in that space, when you're, you know, you're living by your values and making sure that they are aligned and you're just constantly checking in and making sure that, you know, you're, you're moving in that right direction. Things are going to work out. They're, they're going to go your way. I love that. Okay. Any more thoughts? Cause we got a question on that Shoot. topic. Okay. So Svetlana asks, <laughs> I'm laughing cause Adam's probably like, thank God. <laughs> um, any advice on helping my guy handle it inside? He's a lifer. We're starting a nonprofit and he's trying to be away from any chaos and problems, but sometimes administration retaliates. can't say it retaliates. They retaliate. I know. No, no, we don't know anything about that. Speaking of, we have a former administrator that we need to get on here. Um, hmm. So the question is what? <laughs> so he's trying to do the right thing. They're starting a nonprofit. He's a lifer. Yeah. And I got the background. He, oh, so the question is, uh, just, do you have any advice on what he can do? Wow. I think you navigated that a lot. I did navigate that. We navigated that a lot. Um, best advice I can <laughs> give is, you know, here's what I'll say. If you're an individual who has a long sentence life or, or very long numbers wise, unfortunately, the way that the system operates, the culture within corrections is to view those individuals very, very suspiciously, especially when they are trying to do good, right? The irony is, and I think, let me dive into the psychology behind this because I'm going to say that for those individuals who are working within corrections, I think part of it is a, a way for them to justify, you know, the means of being part of a system where an individual like myself is going to serve a two, be sentenced to 213 years, right, for serious crimes, but been given a life sentence. And you look at me on the inside and, and I'm trying to do good things and you as a staff member have to find a way to justify, you know, why I'm there for the time that I'm there. And so you choose to view me in a very negative light and think that I must be up to something. It's some, it's like a self-justification 
for that person's role. That's an unfortunate reality. That was just my experience because I watched a, you know, a lot of good people just succumb to the training of corrections, uh, of unfortunately choosing to view every person who's incarcerated in that manner. But for those who have longer time, to view them as somehow more serious, more manipulative, and more of a risk. So that's what he's going to have to contend with um, because he is a lifer. The fact that he just wants to kind of be out of the way and do his own thing is very, very difficult. Uh, I remember having people tell me, well, you just need to avoid, you need to avoid those situations and and all the drama. And I'm like, (laughs) ah, that sounds good coming from the outside when you don't understand the reality of prison is you're literally locked into a room, one, a cell with someone, but then two, you're in a housing unit. Three, you're locked into a facility that has a fence and a wall around it. Like you can't avoid certain situations, certain people, because you have to interact with them. So my my second piece of advice here is learn how to do that most effectively. Like how do you engage people and get people to buy into whatever it is that you're doing, your routine, your program, and be like, hey, so-and-so is on that program. That's pretty cool. He's doing what he's doing, as opposed to just trying to like be, I'm not a part of this. I don't, I don't want any part. Um, so you have to get people to buy in to give you the space that you need. And I know that sounds a little contradictory, but that's what you have to do. It's a very fine line to walk. Um, and the last part of that is um, to live as transparently as possible. And now this is where people really run into difficulty because um, I had to sacrifice a lot in order to um, maintain the position that I was in to be able to do all of the things that I needed to do to ultimately be here today. I had to live so transparently to say everything very clearly the way that it was intended to make sure that my words could not be misinterpreted and to do that in person, to do that in writing because all of your writings monitored as well, to do that over your phone calls and to make sure that I did not do anything that was not perfectly congruent with the messages that I was putting out because people are looking for you to do the slightest thing and say, see, I knew it. I knew what he was saying. I knew it didn't add up because I just saw him do this. So I had to live, you know, this is why we talk about integrity, to live so congruently all my thoughts, words, actions had to line up. I had to be completely transparent, open and honest with all of that and become comfortable living in that space. Like this is who I am. This is what I'm about. These are my values. This is my focus. This is where I'm going. And I got to the point where I would loudly proclaim those things to where people 
respected it. Um, that's a very difficult balancing act, especially within those environments, because you're going to make a lot of people uncomfortable. I made a lot of administrators uncomfortable. And occasionally they came after not just me, they came after us. I made line staff very uncomfortable uh, because for some of them, they looked at me and said they had their own sense of insecurity and said, what, what do you think? You're better than me? And I'm like, no, whoa, stand down. Like, I never said that. I never meant to project that. Like, whatever you're feeling, let me just put you at ease. And I had to learn how to talk to those people, how to interact with them. And I credit becoming a coach, those enhanced communication skills that helped me to build relationships, better communicate with people, especially those people inside um, who ultimately had a great deal of authority over me and who ultimately could have kept me from being here today. So that's, that's a, a very tough position to be in. And that was a long winded answer to try and give you the full perspective. Yeah, no, I think it was great. I think the only thing that I have to add is the fact that um, Svetlana, you baked in the fact that you guys are starting a nonprofit. I'd love to know more about that. But within the question, and then you said he's trying to do good, makes me wonder um, if you're using that for some sort of relief eventually. And when Adam said we live transparently, part of that was the nonprofit that I was working on. And at one point, I had sent in flyers or I sent you in something and you were, he's laughing because when he said they came for us, they came for us for the nonprofit as well. And they tried to spin it that Adam was making all this money out of my unfunded still to this day nonprofit. It made no sense. But like you said earlier, it was because they will look for any little thing. So my advice to you on that is you do like 90% of it on the outside and just make sure that it's spick and span. It's done very clean and he can participate in whatever way he can. Like Adam said, openly, honestly, but you know, as far as like funds or anything like that, keep that all on the outside and just be really careful that it's something that they can't pull from you because he's running a business or profiting or whatever the case may be, however they want to spin it because that's something that she had mentioned something about the nonprofit. So I just wanted to quickly touch on that. That was just, just to give a little context there as part of a class, a victim impact course that we were running, there was about a hundred people uh, in this ongoing course, I made some flyers, some handouts for a presentation that I gave to that group. And I wanted to make sure that they had resources, tools, not only for themselves, but to pass on to their family members. And I talked about strong prison wives and families and suggested that their loved ones on the outside check out the community go on there so that they would have the support that they needed because I knew how valuable it was for us, for you to have that on the outside. So in sharing that, um, I had some administrators freak out and say, we went on the website and there's coffee mugs on there. And those coffee mugs are probably being sold and that money's being funneled back to you. And I'm like, oh, you just don't know. <laughs> I was like, 
there's no money in that nonprofit. Like there's no big grants. There's no, none of that going on, but like they were convinced that somehow my sharing those resources was solely to get money back to me. And that's, that's the mentality that I was speaking about. That's the unfortunate reality. People in corrections, that's the culture that exists, that they are going to look for, they're going to view everything through such a negative lens. Um, that's the reason I'm part of the organization that I'm part of now. Yeah. Which, Go ahead. Yeah, which is to transform the culture within corrections so that that focus doesn't need to be negative. Like, yeah. Go ahead. And it, it pisses me off, frankly, because she said that she travels all the way from Canada and they got their visit canceled because they're just suspect of him. And that pisses me off and it brings uh, me back to a very dark place because yeah. we've been there. I used to get calls from people that would be like, hey, so you got to watch out for so-and-so cop. And then I would have to try to remember now we're trying to live like in a fishbowl and let everybody see everything we're doing and saying, and I have to try to get that message back to Adam and I'm not visiting him. Now I'm concerned for him. We've been in visit one time where thankfully the cop was on our side and this woman comes in and she was like hey kick out Clausen's wife just because they didn't like him so I can wholly empathize with you with my whole broken heart for you right now but it's I think if you follow or if you have him try to follow as much of Adam's advice in everything that he said to answer the question as you can it's unfortunately part of the territory but I hope it'll help and maybe get some allies in the officers that are on his side you know the COs that are on his side because that that's what helped us as much as it possibly could I mean there were times that I was kicked out remember the time it was snowing and I got kicked out and my two friends that I was staying with were so pissed off and I was like it's cool it's just part of it it's no big deal and I was able to come back the next day now granted I didn't travel from a different country I did drive six hours and it sucks but it's part of being a prison wife and it, it I have nothing to say besides it sucks and I'm sorry mm. yeah that's the fact that that's a reality I know right um yeah, I do. I, I feel for her. I feel for them. Um, yeah, we definitely need to get that administrator on here, have some of those conversations and, and share some of what it was that helped us get through that time by getting people on our side who, again, it goes back to, you know, when, when you're doing good uh, and you're doing it for... Um, consistently you're going to get people on your on your side that are going to be on your team and there will be someone to step up who does the right thing who speaks up on your behalf um you know and that's what you got to just you got to live in the faith that that's going to happen yeah okay next question shoot so an edited beauty says my man got 22 years for armed robbery robbery do you think he could get out sooner oh it's so tough to answer not knowing yeah, any details of the case or, you know, if there was a plea bargain or if there were mandatory minimums. We don't know if it's state, if it's federal. Can he get out earlier? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I'm going to say that unequivocally, regardless of whatever your sentence is, there is going to be an opportunity for you to get out earlier. Um, and um, let me preface it by saying this. I'm going to say get out the right way, okay? Oh, my God. I, I do need to clarify this. 
Because listen, I mean, up, up until right before I was released, that was the offer was made to me, right? Oh, I thought you meant escape. No, that's I, on. That's where you went, right? Yeah. I, I I mean I mean that too. Like, I'm I'm gonna add. There's a couple different ways that you can get out of prison that are not the right way. Obviously, escape. Listen, I used to think about this when I was younger. When I was younger, if I would have had the chance, I would have run. I would have run. And man, like that's no way to live, especially in this day and age. You know, in the old days, a couple decades ago, before technology was what it is today, you might have been able to get away for a while. But there's plenty of stories of, you know, uh, the feds uh, or others catching up with people in other countries years later. And then what? You know what I mean? You're back to zero. You got to go back, do your time, plus you get more time. But the other aspect that I'm talking about is, you know, um, working with the government, prosecutors, whomever that is, um, especially after you're sentenced. And I brought that up because when my last motion was filed, my compassionate release, that was the response. We will never support this unless you choose to cooperate. <laughs> and I made a very clear statement to the fact that that was not going to happen. Um, and things worked out the right way. What I mean by the right way is that, you know, when you continue to do good things, I, I'm telling you good things happen to those people who, who are living a certain way. You continue to do everything in your power. One, to you know, live into your full potential. And that can be challenging in prison, but there's plenty of opportunity, time for you to focus on doing that. And with the laws being what they are, you always, always have an opportunity for someone to commute your sentence. If you're in the feds, that's the president. If you're in the state, that's the governor. And we just got the call last two, three weeks ago from my buddy, Chris, who's in New Jersey. The ACLU there is doing, they put together a project where they solicited um, individuals with certain requirements and said, hey, we're putting together this package. We want it, we're taking it to the governor and we're going to lobby to get all of you you know, these uh, commuted, reduced sentences. And he didn't think there was any opportunity for him to get relief. And here he is, all of a sudden, the ACLU's got it. But what did they want? They wanted certain factors. Like, okay, what have you been doing? What have you been doing with your time? You know, what's going to, uh, you know, validate us giving you a second chance or reducing your sentence? So... I tell everybody, you know, everybody who's coming in, especially just starting out, like, man, get focused, figure out what you want to do with your time, do everything that you can to improve yourself physically, mentally, work on your spirituality, you know, learn as much as you possibly can and do as much as you can while you're in there, because that opportunity is going to likely come up at some point. And if you haven't done anything, You've just been sitting in there crossing off days on the calendar. Then listen, man, you're you're gonna you missed your shot. It's gonna have passed. 
Yeah, I love that. And I'm going to add to this. So, <clears throat> excuse me, while we were away, I was reading a book called um, Love During the Time of Incarceration. I think that's what it's called. It's by Elizabeth Greenwood, a friend of ours. And um, a little bit of our stories in there, but I introduced Liz to my friend Joe, and it was more Joe's story that was weaved throughout this book. It was five couples. And one of the couples, the man was completely innocent, and there were all of these awful things that happened during identification process and all this stuff. And he wound up um, being charged on a life sentence for a crime he did not commit. And he met this woman while he was inside. I'll give you guys the nutshell version. You should read the book. It was amazing. I read it in a couple days. I couldn't put it down. But um, so 18 years later, they have a couple kids because they're in New York, the conjugal visits. And he was, he tried everything and he's like, I'm done. And on their son's second birthday, they got the, uh, I guess it was like an appeal or something. They got bad news. And he was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And um, she was like, well, I'll keep fighting for you. And they came back and they did the exact same thing they did to us where they said like, oh, we'll work with you if you, it was like sign a plea or something like that. He's like, I don't want to do that because that's me admitting to a crime that I didn't commit. And that'll always follow me. And it brought me right back to when they wanted you to cooperate to get out 20 years later. And you had to ask me like, are you okay with me not doing this? And I said, yeah, I mean, it's, it's your life and you know the best what to do here. Winds up this man turns around a couple days later and the Innocence Project took his case. He got out sued the state of New York for, I think, like $100 million, settled for, I don't know what it was, 30 It was a whole bunch of money. So now they live in this mansion in North Carolina with, like, Maseratis and Porsches and this and that in the driveway. Side note, every single one of their cars is white because of it represents innocence. But I'm saying all of that to say, no, we didn't get millions of dollars of a settlement or anything like that, but we're living our version of happily ever after, and you can live yours if you do it in the way that Adam said. Okay. Um, next question. We have two. So one, I'm going to come back to you. You don't have a name, but I promise I'm going to come back, but it's getting like a little heavy. So this one's a little bit lighter. So let's go with Kayla's first. No, I'm sorry. This is NL's first. Um, back when you're in prison, what was something that you saw on TV that you thought looked interesting or cool, but once you got to try it, you thought it was overhyped? Ooh. Right? Hmm. That I thought was overhyped. Mm, 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 mm. something that I thought was interesting or cool I don't know I gotta think about that one I, overhyped see it's hard <laughs> it's hard because 20 years I was away a long time right <laughs> so there's <laughs> I have a list and we have been working through that list so it's like I have such an appreciation, even for small things, right? Um, so for me, like even the small things still seem big. I've been home three and a half years now, and it's like I haven't lost that, and I don't ever want to lose that. I will say that my my desire for certain things has changed. To answer that, I remember thinking on the inside, like, when I was a kid, I stole a dirt bike when I was when I was young. That's how I learned how to ride motorcycles. And there was a summer there where I had this dirt bike stashed. And I'm telling you, if I slept an hour or two a day, that was a lot. 
like I would get home just long enough to where like my mom was going out to work. I'd slip in so she'd think I was sleeping. And as soon as she was gone, I was right back out the door and I lived on that thing. Like I was addicted to that. And I was like, I'm a adrenaline junkie in that regard, like loving speed and all of those things. Um, but since I've been out, I haven't been on a bike. I haven't been on a motorcycle, not a dirt bike, not a street bike. And like, it's not something that doesn't have the same draw, the same appeal because some things have shifted. Um, part of that, unfortunately, I'm going to add, cause this comes to the forefront of my mind is my friend JD, our friend who passed away, um, on a motorcycle here this past year. And that has definitely <laughs> eliminated all desire to get on a bike. Uh, but it just didn't have the same appeal. There are certain things that I thought about inside where I was like, man, I can't wait to get out and do that again. And it just hasn't, it hasn't been the same. So it's been more of a decision like, eh, I'm not that interested in that anymore. But there's other things that um, I have found much more joy in doing, like coming in here, being on the podcast, you know, it's just a, a, a different focus. So I don't think there's been any letdowns, you know, nothing living up to the hype. Is there anything you can think of? No, I was trying to think while you were talking. I can't think of anything either. Go ahead. You looked like you were going to say something. Mm. I was going to say, there's a very clear vision. On the other side of that vision board, there's a paddle board, stand-up paddle board. Uh, so I have a vision on that. And there have been a couple times where I've seen places like where we could rent paddle boards. And I'm like, Mwah. I was like, that doesn't look cool. That's not part of my vision. Well, there's no adrenaline really. In no, 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 no. There's no adrenaline in paddle That's board. That's what I'm saying. Unless you're surrounded by like alligators or sharks. or I know how much you love those. Uh, yeah. But no, like that's a very peaceful, serene, like it's a vision that I have. The places where we've seen them were like very commercial. So it oh. didn't fit my vision of this idyllic lagoon that's in like a tropical paradise. So I'm still waiting. Like when we get to that tropical paradise, I'll let you know if that paddleboard is a letdown. Love it. I don't think it will be. Okay. So... This one says, this might sound whiny, which it doesn't, but due to financial issues, my husband and I can't talk or visit much compared to how we used to. Mm. It's killing me. And we both feel so distant and lonely. Do you have any tips? Oh, yeah, that sucks. Um, well, here's a great way to solve that. Uh, letters. I was just going to say love letters. Love letters, right? Like, Take the time because it's super inexpensive. You can get seven pages per envelope. And if, if you really want to save, you can write front and back, right? So it's really not going to cost you. It's going to cost you very little. Unfortunately, not to take a negative turn. Phone calls, emails. Like I spent hundreds of dollars every month um, to be able to do that. Which, and I used to say it all the time, like, man, how fortunate am I to be able to do this? 
but how many people are in that position to like spend that kind of money? Like, and, and I, I wish I would have had that money to spend on other things. Um, so that's an unfortunate reality. And I, and I think a lot of people are challenged similarly. You know, I know that, um, many people can't call home as a result of that. And maybe it's a lost art, right? But I think back to like, for me, writing became very cathartic, right? An opportunity to like really work through those thoughts. And if you will, excuse me, approach it as a conversation where, you know, you really allow yourself to, to, to get into the experience, to set it up to where you're like, this is my time to write. Just like if I were to go to the phone and be like, Hey man, no distractions. Like I'm on the phone. I'm totally focused on, you know, my loved one, whomever I'm speaking to, you do the same thing with that letter, man, go in the cell, you close the door. You know, if you need to put your headphones, you do what you do, you, you zone out and you have that conversation, but just all from your side and you pour out all of your thoughts and, and your questions and, you know, everything that's going through your mind and really share that with that other person. I, I think that it tends to be a deeper, more meaningful exchange because you get to focus more of your thoughts, like without all of the other distractions. Yeah. And just to add to that, because I've had many people come to me throughout the year saying like, yeah, but it just feels so like stump, stuck on a hamster wheel of I do the same thing day in, day out. He's staring at the same four walls. I don't know what to write about. If you're stuck there, there are actually um, journals that have prompts to help you write your letters. So I know one specifically for prison couples is called Separated by Prison, United by Conviction. Now, caveat, I believe that one has like a religious undertone, like a Christian undertone to it. So that was never our thing. If that's not your thing, then you might want to seek out another one. But that's the one I know of specifically for prison couples. There was another one that Joe and Ben wrote. I don't know if that's still available, but I'll post it on social media if it is. There are other, there are plenty other ones out there. Like what's the one that I sent you and we never did? Uh, emotional intimacy or something like that. But if you just go on Amazon and search like journal prompts for couples, and then you can send him the questions if you just feel like you don't know what to write about. Like we never had a problem with that because we would just open our souls, but some people do. So look for those and that'll help you. And then yeah, the letters, other things that other couples have done. Um, you know, you watch the same show on, let's say like Wednesday night. And then when you do get to talk, you talk about it, or you could talk about that in letters. So this way you have something to talk about. We used to do, I would send you my workouts. You could do that in letters, but working out is our thing, whatever is your thing. And then we would do workouts at the same time. And we felt like it was a way for us to connect when we couldn't connect, we couldn't see each other in person because we had to go five or six months out of the year where we couldn't see each other and have visit at all because it wasn't safe for me to drive there. Mm -hmm. The winters were so bad and they would last from like October to May. So we would have to do these types of things. I'm trying to think what else we did besides just letters that helped us feel connected. Can you I, don't, think? I don't know. I'm stuck in the workouts right now. The workouts. Yeah. And then <laughs> I, there were times where if you can send pictures, I know some places are getting weird with pictures, but I would just like go to the dollar store or the party store and get stupid prompt 
uh, props and as cheesy as it sounds, do like little photo shoots with yourself. You don't have to pay anybody. They weren't cheesy. It felt cheesy for me in the moment, but uh-huh. thank you. Yeah. And you do some of those and send those. Those will make his, well, I, I, can, st- I, I still have for, some of those pictures. Yeah. By the way. I feel like they would make his day. I don't know. You could speak as the receiver. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Pictures are everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's see what other questions we've got. Um, my husband's been in federal for 12 years and he'll be coming home soon. I'm excited, but nervous and scared what to expect. Congratulations. Yeah, that's huge. Excited. Focus on the excitement, right? Like that's, that's the key thing there. Just stay focused on the excitement. Um, it's natural to be, to be nervous. Uh, I would suggest talk through Talk through those things that, that are making you nervous. Have those conversations now before <laughs> before he gets to the house. You know what I mean? And it's like so as not to create an uncomfortable situation. And I think that's where we were fortunate, where we just had so many conversations. I think we covered anything and everything imaginable. Yeah. Like prior to me getting out. So... Yeah. Yep. Um, and I don't know where, if you're still on, cause I know that question came in a little bit ago, but if you're still on, like where exactly are you the most nervous about? Because I have a video back on this channel that was, I don't remember what it was called. It was so long ago, but it was basically my own fears from like a physical sexual perspective, um, with you coming home. And basically in a nutshell, I was like, listen, it's going to be sloppy. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be messy. It'll probably last five seconds, but it's gonna be the best five seconds of your life because it's what you've been waiting for. So lean into it. So I'm saying that to say like, get out of your head. This is what you've been waiting for for so long. So my co-founder with Strong Prison Wives was calling me on the way to pick up her husband, freaking out. And I was like, just like what Adam said, like focus on the positive, freaking out. I'm like, wait, stop, take a breath. This is everything you've been waiting for and dreaming about for years. Just sit with that for a minute. I had somebody call me that was like on my way there. It was one of Adam's best friends who got out a little bit before him. And he was like, what are you doing right now? I was in line getting a coffee at a drive-thru. He's like, look at the trees. Look what's around you. What do you see? What do you smell? What do you feel? You want to commit this to memory because this is going to be the best day of your life. And I'm going to tell you this. It went nothing. Absolutely nothing like what I dreamed about or envisioned for years. Like I thought it was going to be amazing and I was going to be ugly crying. It's going to be this big embrace and blah, 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 blah. It was nothing like that. But it's still one of my favorite memories in the world because it's what I anticipated for so long. And then as far as like the PTSD afterwards and that kind of stuff that you'll just have to work through as it comes because you can't pinpoint or put your finger on where he's going to struggle. But like Adam said, it's just something that you're going to have to talk through and communicate through basically till you're blue in the face, because I think that's the only thing that's going to help. I, I love what you said about just don't, don't get stuck in your head on that hamster wheel of all of the, the concerns about what might go wrong. That's what I was saying. Focus on the excitement about what you're most looking forward to. Like this is going to be, it's an incredible day. You know, when you finally get to, to be together in person, uh, I was thinking back to that first day. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, amazing. You're blushing. I am blushing. What's going on in your head? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking back to that first day. I'm, <laughs> I'm vividly recalling things. Wow, I am blushing. Look at what color I am. 
So oh, question, man. do you want me to change the subject? You want to keep going? No, I don't care. Keep going. Okay. Question for both of you. What's the best way to support someone in the initial time after release? My partner gets out in a few weeks and unsure what to expe expect his emotional state to be like, et cetera. Mm. I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of different factors and everybody's different. Um, just realize that it's a transition and like you said, you know, everybody deals with it differently. Um, and it's, it's dependent on, you know, how much work you've done in advance to, to prepare for that. Uh, man, there's so many different factors there, right? Again, same thing, just. I think it's everything we just said, like you have to take each situation yeah. as it comes because we didn't know, we didn't know if you were gonna have PTSD or I heard horror stories of like men strangling their wives in the middle of the night because they weren't used to somebody sleeping next to them. Jesus, what? But I'm saying that to say it's not gonna happen. That's, I'm saying that's that to what you say were thinking about? Those, no, but those were the rumors <laughs> that went around the communities online, yeah. you know, and then people scare the shit out of you. So. You, I didn't know what it was going to be like, and you had nothing, no issues. So this way, you know, focus on the positive and take each thing as it comes. I had a girlfriend who he would, this is, <laughs> I'll tell you who it is afterwards. I can't say it out loud, but he would fold his towels and have to roll them a certain way because of what he did on the inside and it would drive her nuts. So they just had to compromise like the things that she's like, get over it. And then the things that she's like, all right, I can look past. It. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Now that's a, that's a great example because those are small things, right? And those are and that's what I'm saying. Don't get caught up on the small things. You know, there's going to be things that <laughs> minor differences, and it's like who cares? I know that's how I was. Like I don't. There's nothing that you do. Honestly, there is nothing that you do that annoys me. Back at you. Oh, perfect. Did you think you said that so shocked? I don't know. No, because I can tend to be a little bit much sometimes like with the towels with <laughs> I don't even notice you do anything with the towels what um, do you mean with the towels uh, okay CJ's shoes like <laughs> tying you know what I mean like no but it wore off on me because at the doctor today the, okay so when the velcro is not straight on his little baby shoes because I'm like a whirlwind hurricane mile a minute person and I don't pay that close attention just to detail them on, I'm just yeah. slapping them on right he's two so if the velcro doesn't go exactly perfectly <laughs> across the shoe Adam has to redo it and then like he has to tell me like but today at the doctor the velcro was wrong because he took off his shoes he had to get comfortable and, and I had to fix, fix it, it. <laughs> yeah and there are little there are little things like that that I am just I can be meticulous about that I'm sure could be annoying. Right? It's not annoying. I would tell you if it's annoying. I mean, here this is any couple anywhere. Forget prison, right? You choose to focus on the things that you choose to focus on, and you need to choose your battles. Like it honestly doesn't bother me. But if it if something stood out that did, then I would tell you stop doing that. And and if you did, you know, I would honestly then just be like, well. It, it's not that important to me, so I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Okay, here's a good one. What do you both think about the saturation of documentaries of life in prison? So many cable channels and streaming services seem to have an endless loop of the worst prison that mm. feels so cruel. I'll start, okay? So I used to get at least one a day requests for for producers to reach out to my community 
to look for people for these documentaries. This is back when like Love After Lockup was becoming a thing when they were just starting. And I had to get to a point where blanket, I would say, no, I'm not, we're not lab rats. We're not a science project, nothing like that. Because it, I didn't agree with a lot of stuff that was going on. I, I do, I did learn a lot through some of the documentaries, but not like the trash stuff. Like I thought 60 Days In, we watched 60 Days In a season once I thought was good. Um, trying to think what else I watched. Sometimes I would watch Lock Up, but then I stopped because it just got too much for me. But what do you think? I I think there's there's a line, right? Like you definitely, for me, I don't want to see anything that's just focused on the dramatization of prisons, like all the negative things, because the reality has been there's some good stuff happening in prisons. And I wish that we could focus more on that, right? Like, I wish more time and attention was given to it. And it's just, it's not there. Yeah, well, unfortunately, people don't want to see that. They want to see, they think drama sells. Mm, it does sell. That's, yeah, yeah, I said that's that That's the unfortunate yeah. reality. And that's, that's why there's so many of those out there. And, you know, for people who aren't personally affected by it, right? It's, yeah, that might be entertaining to them, but for those of us who are either living in those places or have a loved one inside of there, you know, it's different. Yeah. Um, I saw before, I hope I'm not missing questions. If I did miss your questions, ask again. But uh, somebody asked if there'll be a book in the future for either one of us, if either of us will write a book. Most definitely. Yeah. There's definitely, there's a book coming. There's a couple different media ideas in the works, you know, definitely. Um, that's always been part of the plan. Yeah. Um, I, ha I did write the comeback code. I don't know where it is. It's somewhere it's on one of these shelves. That's a, a journal for, and like exercises and all the tools that I used to stay positive while Adam was on the inside. But recently I felt very called to write about or do something in the reentry space. I've been asked by, by a few different people and I've been seeing that there's a lack there. So I don't know exactly what that is right now. I've just kind of been mulling it over, but I think that maybe there'll be a book or something about reentry. I'm not sure yet. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. We need to talk more about books. Yeah. We, we've got plenty of them behind us. We should have more of our own. That we write. That we write. Yeah. Definitely. All right. I think that's a good place for, for us to kind of wrap things up for today. I know that there's more questions there. I don't know how much, what the commentary looks like. I think I got to all of them and I feel bad if I missed any, but. But I do want to say thank you to everyone who not only, uh, you know, wished me a happy birthday, but who logged in, who spent some time with us today and asked some great, great questions. We love you guys. We appreciate you. This has been another amazing episode of Gridability, the power of perseverance, overcoming seemingly insurmountable odds to attain the life of your dreams. And we will see you back here on the next episode. Bye, guys.